Good morning. Good morning, brother. So good to see you this morning, and thank you for making uh, worship a priority in your day, in your week. Thank you, Will, for doing such a good job. Thank you, Art, for that thoughtful prayer uh, for our sick. I appreciate that greatly, and thank you for all being here today. Uh, and as you notice that the Sunday traffic has changed a little bit, so that means uh, football season is in town, and so it's, it's, uh, the traffic has changed up a little bit, so be careful out there. And uh, so, But I'm thankful for all of you for being here this morning. We're going to be studying from Matthew chapter 18, 1 through 6, as was read in our scripture reading. But before we get into that text, I want you to kind of go back in time with me, if we can. I brought a time machine here, and I want us all to get in the time machine. And I want you to go back to when you were a kid. And think about what you wanted to be when you grew up. Think about that. What did you want to be when you grew up? And and think about how endless the possibilities were when you were a young kid. I mean, you could be anything, right? You could be even the President of the United States. Remember thinking that, hey, that's a possibility for me as a kid. Be an astronaut. Be a doctor. Be a lawyer. Be a cowboy. Be whatever you want to be, right? And we grow up, and then for some reason, when we're a kid, we start getting this feeling that we want to grow up. And my daughter came to me the other day, and she says, I want to, I want to be an adult. I want to grow up. I'm like, do you really? You don't know what you're asking for. And I do want her to grow, but just very slowly. <laughs> Becoming an adult, I was talking to a nurse in the hallway and she started telling me, she's a young nurse, she just graduated from college. And then she started talking about how her bills were coming in and she talked about her car was breaking down. And then I said, yes, that's called adulting. It's not too fun, is it? Sometimes in life, because when we're a kid, we're kind of insulated. Hopefully, we're insulated from all those anxiety and those worries. And, and then we grow up. And then we realize that we don't necessarily become what we wanted to be. Or there is disappointment. Reality sets in. And then we have to deal with what life throws at us. And that gets us to what Jesus talks about. Because it's very interesting because his disciples come to him and they say, hey, we want to be great. We want to be great. We want to be, we've seen what you can do, Jesus. We've seen you walk on water. We've seen you transfigured where your, your raiment was white. And we've got all kinds of expectations as to what your kingdom is going to be like. And we want that kingdom and we want to be great in the kingdom of God. We want to be something when we grow up. And then Jesus says something very profound. He turns everything on its head like he always does. He confounds them. He makes them scratch their heads. He said, here's what you want to be when you grow up. A little kid. That's backwards, isn't it? 
He points to the child and says, here's what you need to become. This is what greatness looks like. That was the question, wasn't it? What is greatness? That's what they ask in verse 1. Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who is great? And the first thing that you notice about the question about Jesus' response is, is that He doesn't scold them for their ambition, for them wanting to grow up, for them wanting to become somebody or something. He doesn't say, hey, you got it wrong. But He challenges everything that they think they know. Because we all think we know something, don't we? At least sometimes we do. I have. I've made that mistake. But Jesus says, let me show you what greatness is. And there's all kinds of rival ideas about what greatness is. One idea is that, hey, you're great if you're smart. Will and I were talking about the ACT. That's what he's living with right now. I've never been a fan of standardized tests. But intelligence, we look at people who are smart as being great. In fact... The person of the century, of the 20th century, was who? Albert Einstein. He was on Time magazine. Why? Because he was smart. He was so smart that he could literally sit in a room and think about the universe and then understand it with thought experiments. We think, wow, to be that intelligent, to be that smart, that's great. But Jesus doesn't say anything about IQ or ACT scores, or the theory of relativity. You know, what's interesting too, a lot of times we have such praise and accolade for science, and I love science. In fact, that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a scientist. But you know, we can use our knowledge for good, and we can use that same knowledge for evil. And that when you have great knowledge, you have greater capacity to do evil. Think about the theory of relativity and the work of Einstein that it was actually also utilized for the making of the atom bomb. So here you have this great idea, this great concept, and this, this guy that deserved the Nobel Prize. But it also led to massive devastation and death. Not that he worked on it personally, but the knowledge. People use that knowledge for good and they use it for evil. Jesus doesn't say anything about it. Like another idea that we like to think about greatness is, and we all do it, if you got the money. If you got the money, you must be great. Because if someone pulls up in the limousine outside, we'd all be like, who is that? Because we think whoever has the money, whoever has the most toys, whoever has the most stuff, they must be great. They might be shrewd. They might be smart. You think about Warren Buffett. In 2013, he made $37 million a day. A day. You can break it down hourly and it's still more than what we make a year. And the phenomenal thing about his network is, is that 99% of his wealth was after he was 50. Imagine that. 95% of his wealth after he was 60, it just exponentially grew so much. Man, he's a wealthy guy. He wakes up just making money. He can't help it now. 
And he's a great philanthropist too. He's given a lot of it away. He gave Bill Gates about $30 billion. How's that? But Jesus doesn't talk about money when He talks about greatness, does He? In fact, He warns us because money and material things has such a tug on our devotion, has a tug on our heart. He says, take heed and beware of covetousness, for man's life consisteth not in the things which he possesses. Your life isn't about material things. He doesn't say anything about fame either. And boy, do we like our famous people. We see them on TV. We see them in the magazines. We like our famous people. We're curious about the famous. He doesn't say anything about being famous. He doesn't say, hey, get your 15 minutes. Jesus, when he talks about greatness, I don't see anything about fame. In fact, the Bible says, yet those who come after will not rejoice in him. It says in Ecclesiastes 4.16. Fame is fleeting, isn't it? It's here for a minute. It's gone tomorrow. What else? Power. He doesn't say anything about political power. He doesn't say anything about commanding any armies. He doesn't talk about any generals or presidents or anybody like that, does he? Remember Alexander the Great, who was tutored by the great philosopher Aristotle when he had conquered all of the world. He wept, they say. Why? Because there were no more worlds to conquer, no more lands. He had conquered it all. And he wept because there was nothing else to do. But yet the Bible says of us in Romans 8, 30, said, yet in these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Jesus doesn't talk about power. He don't talk about talent either. And I love talented people. I love people who are musical. I love singers. And there's no mention of talent in this. There's no mention of Elvis Presley. There's no mention of Beyonce or James Brown or any of those people, is there? But yet we are so fascinated with talent and we think people with talent are great. And yes, it is a wonderful thing and it is entertaining and I'm not trying to knock people with skill and with talent. But when we talk about greatness, Jesus doesn't talk about it. Another thing that He doesn't talk about... This is directed at the preacher. He doesn't talk about religious, especially religious people either. There's some of us who have this idea that greatness is in being really super religious. And yes, having a form of religion, coming to the assembly and worshiping is part of it. But if you don't have your heart in it, it doesn't matter what you're doing on the outside. That's why Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. Religion, just for religion's sake, isn't really worth anything. So when Jesus talks about greatness, He doesn't talk about being super religious either, does He? What about health? I want all of you to be in good health. I want you to be well. But at the end of the day, Jesus doesn't talk about being the strongest man on earth, does He? There's always someone stronger. I heard this story about Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime. He was a big guy. He was a strong guy. He was Mr. Universe a couple times. But there's a story that during his life that he ran into another big guy named Andre the Giant. 
And Andre the Giant literally picked Arnold Schwarzenegger up and put him up on a shelf. There's always someone, someone bigger and badder somewhere, isn't there? But Jesus talks about greatness. He says, look at the child. And the good news is about being great in the kingdom of God is that you don't have to be rich. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be any of that. You just have to desire to be humble and serve. That's the criteria for greatness in the kingdom of God. Not an IQ of 165. Not a bank account of a million. And that means any of us, all of us, can be great in the kingdom of God. It says in verse 2 that that Jesus called a little child in the midst of them. You know, Jesus could have pointed at a lot of stuff. But he doesn't point to Rome, to the Caesar. He doesn't point to Jerusalem. He doesn't point to even the temple or the synagogue or to a religious guy or a rich guy or a poor guy. He points to a little kid and says that's what the kingdom of God is all about. Wow. In their midst, Jesus also said, that the kingdom is neither here nor there, but within you. The kingdom is in our midst. It's within us. It's within the child. And another amazing thing that blows my mind is, is that when you look at a little child, a child is devoid of achievement. Isn't, aren't they? What has a little child really achieved? They haven't gotten there yet, right? They're full of potential. They're going to achieve great things. But Jesus, when He points at at greatness, He points at a person, at a being, at a child which has achieved nothing. That blows my mind because in my world, it's all about achievement. In schools, it's all about achievement, isn't it? If you look at greatness, we say, well, if you achieved something, then you're great. And a lot of times we think our happiness is dependent on achievement. Hey, when I achieve this, I'm going to be happy. When I achieve X amount of dollars, when I get that retirement fund big enough, then I've achieved it. I've gotten there. I'm happy. But Jesus says greatness in the kingdom of God isn't about achieving anything at all. In fact, greatness in the kingdom of God is ultimately about one thing. Dependence. Dependence. And isn't that who children are? Dependent. He says it very pointedly in verse 3, unless you are converted. What does that word mean? Unless you change. Unless you change your way of thinking about things and become as little children, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. Unless you grow up to be a kid you're not going to get to be in the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus says. Unless you understand the world and all its concerns and ambitions and values are nothing compared to the kingdom of God. They're nothing. And ultimately, when you become as a little child, it sets our minds free, our hearts free from those worries and those anxieties. 
Jesus said, let the little children come unto me. Do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. When you look at a child, you see the kingdom of God. He says, be converted, changed, fundamentally transformed into the image of a child. Isn't that what the new birth is about? About becoming something different, becoming something new. Jesus says, you've got to go back to the beginning. You've got to go back to the start. And unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you're born of water baptism and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. What are the attributes of children? Well, for one thing, they're unprejudiced. They don't have the prejudices that we have. After time, after experience, after you've been taught some things by people who are sometimes uneducated, all of a sudden you've got prejudices, you've got stigmas. But children don't have those prejudices. Their minds are free to learn. Their minds and their hearts are open. And Jesus says that's how we got to become unprejudiced to the truth, unprejudiced to each other. Children are generally can be truthful. Sometimes they tell you the truth when you don't want to hear it. Has that ever happened to you? Or they repeat the things that you say about people behind their back. Children are optimistic. Children have that sense of awe and wonder which is ultimately rooted in a heart of worship. Jesus has become His little children. He goes on to say in verse 4, Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He says the secret to the kingdom of God is not trying to become better than everybody or trying to achieve everything, but to become humble so that you will take the direction of the Father. God, it says, resists the proud, but giveth grace unto who? The humble. God loves us to be humble and open to Him, and ultimately that's who Jesus is, is a humble servant. And that's the way that He showed us, to humble Himself even into the form of a servant. And He says there's also a blessing if we receive children. If we receive children, if we help children. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. And listen to that. It says one. A lot of times we can get focused on all kinds of numbers. But Jesus says if you receive one little child, if you help one person, then you receive me. Think about that. Nelson Mandela once said, there is no keener revelation of a society's soul than the way in which it treats its children. If you want to know what the values of a country are, if you want to know what the values of a church are, if you want to know what the value of, of, of the United States are, it's how we treat our children. That, that's a reflection of who we are. And Jesus says, if we receive children, if we help children... If we become as little children, we receive Him. So the one thing about Jesus when He gives us this lesson on greatness is that He doesn't discourage us from wanting to be great. He just redefines what greatness is. 
And ultimately, he says, when you grow up, become a child of God. Become a child of God. That's what you need to be when you grow up. A child of God. One who follows the Father. The Bible says that whosoever receives my word becomes a child, it says in John. We have to receive his word. We have to receive the message of the Father. Have you done that today? Have you become a child <laughs> trusting in your heavenly Father? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Trust the Father. He loves you. The Bible says to become a child of God, it begins in faith. That faith is what moves us. It makes us. It changes us. We begin to understand because of faith. Because of faith, we understand. We repent of sin. We confess Jesus to be the Son of the living God. We're baptized to become a new person, a child of God. Maybe you are a person that uh, is a Christian and, and you feel that you haven't had the trust of a child or that you need a prayer of encouragement or healing. Then know that this church stands ready to pray with you. If you have any need, we want to sing this next song to encourage you. So if you have any need, won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.